0: glad to be with you guys. I just always look out and I see faces that I know and some that I've known for a long time, Gail, Heidi, <laughs> and others. I've just uh, I've been walking with Christ with a lot of these guys literally my whole adult life, and it's just a it's a blessing. Um, it's changed the direction of my life, a lot of these men. Uh, I've worked with Pastor Blake in the college ministry at Grace for about 20-some years, 25 years, something like that, and uh what a joy! I just I love the college age because people are asking questions, and I always feel like the least equipped one in the room when I'm with college students because there's a, such great interaction with their walk with the Lord and the Word, and so I'm glad to be here with you guys. Uh, some of you guys I know from CrossFit and from playing basketball, and I play basketball because it reminds me I need God. <laughs> just uh, still waiting for my growth spurt. Uh, I own a business in Bozeman called Penguin Network. It's an advertising and marketing company. So I I tend to think in songs, I tend to think in poems, I tend to think in short sentences, short attention span. So uh, typically, we'll go and meet with a company and we'll find out who they are, and they're really good at something, but maybe they're not very good at communicating it. And So we will help make it more concise and poignant, and feature those reasons why people would like to work with that company. And, uh, and I kind of have done that with theology over the years. I just, you know, I've never considered myself like the sharpest theology guy, but God, you know, kind of wired me so that I'll take something that's way more complicated than I really know and can break it down for other people who are simple like me. And so that's, that's kind of my space. I let Gail, Heidi, and some of these other guys do the really heavy lifting. And then I just come in and repeat what they said, but I'm, you know, I put it to a presentation or something and make it look better. <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah So I got a bit of a background in music. I wore that hat for a while with a band, promoted that around the country. I, I was an electrician for about three years, freezing in Montana in the winter, playing with wire when it was zero degrees. Uh, a few different careers. I, I built prosthetic knee braces for a while. I uh, went to MSU for a while. I took Greek one semester. That's all I'll tell you about that. <laughs> um, but this morning, we're going to be talking about something I posted on Facebook last, last night. We're going to be talking about probably the most important thing a human could know. And then my friend Rob Lee kind of spoiled it. And he said, essential oils? Tah. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> But I I don't like public speaking, actually. And I I end up doing it all the time because I have to speak for our marketing company about once a week to a group. And it challenges me, puts me up in front where I don't want to be. But the the one reason I actually like to talk in front of people is what we're going to talk about today. And that's what keeps pushing me. Even in high school, God already had my number. And I hated being in front of the group, but I loved so much what he had done in my life I couldn't stop. And so that's really where I've been. So some of you are a little bit anxious, like, man, I don't think I could do this. I just can't be in front of a group. God might not ask you permission. <laughs> he, he may not wait for you to get over that before he asks you to obey in some way, and, and he's good. And it's just a great way to see our frailty, I think, and our need for him. So I wanted to just throw a picture up there from, from Chrome real quick. I had a question for you. What's the minimum? In fact, do you have pens? How many of you have pens? Grab a pen and paper real quick. Just got a quiz for you, pop quiz. Wake up. Come on. Give me one of those. All right. What do you have to know as a minimum to be saved? And think of it in terms like a treasure map. Like, okay, tree, left turn here, uh, treasure box, open the lock. You know, th- think in terms of keywords. If you're just a write down, these are the things you really need to get down if you're going to uh, go to heaven. What would they be? If you don't have a pen, just do it mentally. 15 seconds. So imagine you're talking to my friend Lauren. She's in our networking group in Bozeman. What does she need to know? She's not a believer. See her once a week. She's in business. you got five minutes. You're going to give her the facts that really matter. What is it? What's it going to be? Okay, you can take that picture down now. So here's another question for you. If Lauren believed in a Jesus who was capricious, who loved killing poor people and blinding people with sight. And this is the Jesus that she told she needed to trust for salvation. Would she be made right with God? Chew on that one a second. She's been told she needs to trust Jesus, and he is a capricious God who can't be trusted. He changes daily, and he's probably going to punish her for eternity, but the only hope she has is to Pray to Him. Will she be made right with God? I might answer that one later. I might just leave it up to Gail to undo the mess that I just made. So today's topic is one that's talked about all throughout Scripture. Just give you some highlights of how how it's used. Uh, Jesus talked about it. He talked about it while He was healing the sick, uh, curing all manners of diseases. In fact. Blindness, leprosy. Uh, He said that when he talked about this, he would talk about this to the whole world, and then the end would come after talking about it. Uh, John the Baptist went to prison right before Jesus started talking about this. And in the first four books that we know of in the New Testament, it's referred to in the context so often in terms of the words, the coming kingdom. The kingdom is mentioned. Mark 16 Uh, the witnesses of Jesus were commanded to take this thing to every creature. Luke 4 talks about this thing being specifically for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, and the blind. Jesus taught it to the priests and the scribes and the elders. In Luke, in Acts 8, they took it to Jerusalem and to the Samaritan villages, those horrible Samaritans. Paul took it to the horrible, filthy Gentiles. That's us, most of us. In Acts 20, Uh, Paul says he got this by the grace of God. Didn't earn it. In Romans 1.16, Paul says he wasn't ashamed of this because it was the very power of God to save people. Uh, According to this thing, Romans 2.16, it says God will judge the secrets of men. Everything you and I think, all of our motives, all of those things. In Romans 10, it asks the question, Uh, How will people believe this if they haven't heard this? In Romans 15, it's called a blessing. In 1 Corinthians 1.17, it says, uh, Paul didn't want to diminish the power of this by coming off as clever. not interesting? In 1 Corinthians 9.14, it says people preaching it should be able to make their living from it. 2 Corinthians has said this is actually hidden from those who don't believe it. Interesting one, 2 Corinthians 11.4 actually talks about it's possible to have a different one of these that's been changed and corrupted. So apparently it matters what we think about this and whether it is accurate. Uh, Words matter. Ideas matter. Objective facts matter about this. Uh, Otherwise, Jesus' name becomes an incantation make sense? Hit me up afterwards if that didn't totally make sense. In fact, I should just invite my wife. If you're hearing things that are confusing, go ahead and raise your hand. That's what she's really good for. Over there, she, she's like, I don't think they got that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is really clear in my own mind. So what are we talking about? What is it? A little interaction. What is the gospel? What is the word gospel? Good news. What else? There's another word for it. Use it at Christmas. Come on, come on, Greek, guys. Glad tidings. Yeah. But that's a little bit like saying it's the newspaper. Like, that's not exciting, right? That's saying this is a good message. Well, what's the message? Good news, great, fantastic. What is the message? And I really love when Danny asked me to speak on this because anytime you get a simple topic, it's like buckle up. You think you know it, and you start going really in depth. What is it? Uh, can you find a verse, you know, a single verse that you're thinking that nails it? And, and I got to say, like, if after studying again this week, if I was to nail it, I'd say this nails it. You know, so we'll just talk about this whole thing today. There's some verses I think that are helpful and getting our hands around it and our minds around it. But we just want to be careful not to take just one verse and say, you know, hand that off to somebody and say, hey, they're good to go. They got that. They got the gospel. And as soon as you start unpacking a couple ideas within the gospel of these verses, they get bigger and bigger. Have you ever seen someone uh, come to Christ with a really lousy presentation of the gospel? <laughs> it just bugs me. You spend all this time trying to get it right, and then you meet somebody, and they had the worst gospel presentation ever. <laughs> you know, they heard half of it. And somehow God changed them and made them alive. You're like, that doesn't even count. you got to start over. <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, I think, gives us a nice overview. It says, Brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which you're saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and then he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures." So you just start, you know, going word by word there. We start at the beginning here, Paul gave this to them. He was sort of like the postman. He was like the uh, internet service provider nothing special about him Uh, he he delivered it to him he didn't make it up okay Uh, he he said they stood on this message this is foundational and then he asked them to not just stand on it but to hold it they should be holding on to this so this isn't something you get once and then it's gone this is this message of the gospel stays It doesn't pass away And and it does say that he received it. He wasn't born with it innately. You and I aren't born with this innately. Our neighbors are not born with this innately. That's important to know. Paul received it, and he didn't make it up. So what is the essence of that message? He kind of gives a prelude there. He starts with Christ. That's a really good place to start. If we're thinking that we're talking to someone about salvation or the gospel and we don't start there, we're in in a, a big trouble, right? The anointed one who is he, he's the anointed one. He's royalty. He is the one who started before time. He created everything that we know. That's where the gospel starts. And you notice it was not Buddha, it was not Muhammad, it was not me and you. This was Jesus Christ, the anointed one. That's where the gospel starts. What about Christ? He died. That's important. Why is it important? Somebody tell me why is it important that Christ died Pretty basic, right? Took God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the sent one, the king, the Messiah dies. For who? For us. For our sins. This is not something the Messiah had coming. This is not a bad day. He blew it and he died. No, no. This is for us. The majestic creator of the universe dies for us, for me, and for you. Interestingly, it says according to the scriptures. Why does that? Why does that matter? You guys see any poignancy there? Yeah. You didn't just make it up. Yeah. So this is not a spontaneous. Oh, hey, yeah, I'll just do this. This is the sovereign of the universe doing exactly what he intended from before time. He planned the whole thing, including his own murder and his resurrection. It was his plan, it was not our plan. So he dies a death that he didn't have coming, he dies a death that we had coming for our sins, and then he was buried and rose again on the third day according to scriptures. So if we're looking at the whole idea of our sin, how much does a person have to understand about our sin to come to Christ? If he died for my sin, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? That means that's probably one of the important facts that we need to hold on to, right? You made a little list mentally or on paper earlier. What's the basic? If we don't see our sin in the equation, if we don't own it, we really can't appreciate the second part of that, of him being buried and being raised from the dead by his own volition. We know Romans 3.23, all of us sinned, that's every single one of us, and fallen short of God's glory. So that's the mail, right? That's the blog from Paul. That's That's the images on my paper this morning, that's the black-and-white text of it so what's the transactional side of that what does it matter Uh, you can get a nice note from someone right would it have any effect on you What's the relationship of the information and the facts that I just presented to us? Uh, We know our status without that message, without Christ, Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. It's by grace that we've been saved. Uh, We know that we are dead, right? Dead people don't raise themselves unless they're Jesus. And I do appreciate that verse because it brings out the fact that it was a loving God. Have you ever thought the fact that God actually went around and while he's preaching this message called the gospel, he's actually healing people? Has that ever hit you? Because he could have demonstrated his power another way, right? He could have gone around killing people. He'd be like, hey, blind guy, dead. He might not have had as many people following him around. The very nature of God is kind. You ever just relish in that in your prayer time? Like, wow, he could have demonstrated his wrath. It would have been totally right. He could have gone and put more people in the morgue. Instead, he's taken people out of it. That's amazing, because he would have been righteous to do that, to just just put his hand on people and say, you're done. You're done. That's the type of God some people worship, a fearful God, an angry God. Of course, it matters if that's true, not, not just whether we want it to be true. So we should consider that. So what are the facts that we need to know? Think about those ones that you wrote down. What does Paul say? First Corinthians 2, 1 through 8, he says, uh, the main thing that he wanted them to know was this, know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the two things. This is Paul's focus, to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. What facts do we need to know to be made right with God? Pay attention to what Paul said there. Be careful. He's listing objective facts, right? But he's, he's talking to, to the relationship we have to these facts. I think that we see a, a little bit more opening into what we're supposed to do with these facts in Matthew 7. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we have, haven't we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and played on the worship team and took Greek and did all these wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Somehow the relationship of these facts that they had meant nothing. Nothing. Because that word, I knew you. I never knew you. So it matters, these facts, right? Uh, it matters that we understand what sin is. It, understand, it matters that we understand the resurrection and the implications. It, under, it makes a difference whether we understand that book and the majesty of it. Uh, Lauren died a week ago. Give me a second. I always have one of these every time I talk to you guys. Uh, she's part of our networking group. I saw her every week for the last 52 weeks. She's an energetic banker, and she was shot and killed in Belgrade. So these facts matter to Lauren, and she found out the day she died that these facts matter, right? But not not so she could be smarter, right? Not so people could be impressed with their Bible knowledge, they matter because <clears throat> her relationship to that information and that message about Jesus could change her eternity if she was made alive in Christ. I read a poem that was presented by one of her friends, and I was so sad. Get this. This is, this is supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> you ever get one of those? Somebody's trying to encourage you, and you're thinking, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Um, death is nothing at all, it does not count. I have only slipped away into the next room. Nothing has happened. Every, everything remains exactly as it was. I am I, and you are you, and the old life that we lived together so fondly together is untouched, unchanged. Whatever we were to each other, that we still are. All is well, nothing is hurt, nothing is lost. One brief moment, and all will be as it was before. How we shall laugh at the trouble of parting when we meet again. What a lie. We kinda wanna believe that, right? When people die, we say silly things at funerals, but it really matters if that's true. Like, what it's really trying to say is it's no big deal. It's all gonna be fine, just pretend that they're still here. Anybody that's lost someone knows it's a joke. It's painful, it's an abomination to a perfect creation that God has made. Uh, Another thing I've heard at a funeral is, oh, death is just part of life. I just wanna gag, (laughs) like, no. This is not a normal thing. This is a tragedy of great sin. This is on us, right? This stain on humanity, on creation. This is not OK. Death is not OK. So I read that, and it kind of motivates me, because I'm, I'm thinking it matters. It matters what people believe. And just because you have a nice poem making us feel good to get through those moments. When we stand before God, that poem will mean nothing. It's a reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and where we stand with him and whether we know him that will actually matter. So it matters in the same way that a treasure map would matter. Imagine I have Hudson over there. And I, on you know, my deathbed, I pass on this map. And I say, Hudson, this map, you need to pay attention to it. Because it's going to take you to this huge treasure. It's going to be amazing. Enjoy it. And Hudson's like, cool, Dad, well, what's in it? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never went over there. Well, why not? I don't know. <laughs> this is a treasure map. I've studied it my whole life. I traced it. I like, put it up on the wall. I blew it up. I went down to the copier, and I made a whole wallpaper out of it. I put it on my wall, and I memorized. And you think, well, that's kind of silly, like the whole point of the treasure map. <laughs> Get the treasure. Right? That's the whole point. I think. He would understand that that's somehow missing the point, don't you? So what do we do with the treasure map? Do we we study that just for the words and the objective facts, or do we understand that actually it should be leading us to our Creator? That's what it should be doing. John 15, 39, Jesus is rebuking the leaders and says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but they testify to me. It's Jesus. We can get all the information. And I gotta tell you, like two years ago, I was really convicted of this personally. I kind of was thinking through and going, you know, I grew up in a church that was kind of the God and country in the NRA sort of church. Like it's fine to talk about God and the guns and politics, slam on the bad president. But if you started talking about Jesus, it gets a little bit crazy. Don't get too weird. Somebody told me one time, an adult told me, well, don't take that too far, that Jesus thing. Uh, they, they had the scriptures, but they didn't have Jesus. And I started to realize inside me that I think you know, I'm talking church strategy with people. And I'm talking theology. And I, I love debating things with people. I love asking hard questions. And because there's just something about learning things that's exciting, right? You guys like to travel. I love to travel. I love to watch the History Channel. It's just about any science thing. As a family, we do this. But there's a stimulation that I can get from that that has nothing to do with the relationship with Jesus. There's a stimulation that my brain gets in talking theology that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And it has everything to do with the fact that God has wired our brain to like to learn things, and it feels exciting. Maybe to read books. Have you ever written, you know, gone to MSU and you found a professor who loves to talk theology? Some of them know it better than I do. They love talking theology. It makes no difference when they are where Lauren is right now. It makes no difference. They've never had a transaction with the living God about those objective facts. The gospel is the most majestic and gloriously conceived plan by the creator and Lord of the universe to invade enemy territory by making himself nothing so that his own treasonous creation who were condemned to death for their crimes could have a restored relationship with him. Without it, we have nothing. There's nothing going on. Without it, we don't have meaning Without it, we don't have hope. It is the only thing that really gives meaning to death and suffering. And if you think about it, without it, aren't we really just glorified like gerbils in a cage? Really? I mean, survival of the fittest makes a lot of sense if we don't have the gospel. That's what I'd be doing. I'd make sure to get mine. Uh, The eternal consequences of this message change the whole picture. Because, Because of it, We are offered undeserved life and joy and fullness unspeakable. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, it is real. He is real. And if, like me, you kind of find yourself starting to maybe get distracted with your knowledge, maybe stop and just come back and and pray and say, Lord, would you help me remember you? Because when I first started walking with him, all I could talk about was him. Right, and I remember rebuking people who had doctrine. Let's show you where I was not not sophisticated. I'm like, you know, dude, I don't care about doctrine. I just want to present the gospel to people. Like they're dying out there. <sighs> gospel is doctrine, right? That's a kind of silly thing to say. But the one thing that was a reality in my life is I wanted people to know Him because He had changed me. And I kind of got off track of that for a few years, and I started thinking about church strategy and growth and all these things. Which hey, there's wrong to talk about those we want to shepherd people well right we want to take them to him but man even these good things can become idols in our lives instead of enjoying worship with him and i just realized man i don't think i I used to like talking to him have you done that before you are like now i'm doing it as a chore Used to just love talking to you lord shame on me that i've forgotten how good you are so if we can take anything from this morning would that be it that maybe the wonderful things that you hear in the classroom each week, maybe just take a little bit of the crust off them if you've gotten a hard heart. Maybe there's been sin in your life that you kind of got comfortable with and you forgot he actually wants to know you. Can you believe that? He actually wants to know you. When God looks at you when you're in Christ, he is happy with you because of Christ. And it doesn't depend on whether you had your quiet time never changes. When you're in Christ, he looks at you. You are accepted in his family. You are his son. And he is kind and loving to discipline us when we start going off track, right? Certainly does that, but it's in love. It's not in wrath any longer. Jesus took that for us. Do you know that? Do you really know that today? God, we can't make that happen. But you are a gracious God to make that happen. And so I pray for each of us that we would know you, that we would delight in you, and that if we've been becoming proud because of our knowledge or distracted because of the cool place that you've put us in in this world and studying history and some of these things that are just so fun to study, but maybe they become too important to us and we've forgotten you. Help us to experience the joy of our salvation, the riches in you, Christ Jesus, our Lord. May the overflow of that change us so that the world is amazed, so that they can't figure out what's going on and why we love you so much. Lord, if we've been trying to convince people with our our smart arguments, so that they'd be impressed with us, would we repent today, oh God? Would you give us just a desire and a burning desire for others to know you as we do, but protect us and convict us where we're proud. In Jesus we pray.